Hi, and welcome to season seven of our Focus on Women podcast. Thank you so much for all of your support. I can't believe we've gotten to season seven. We're super excited. We have a new website, so please make sure to check us out at focusonwomen.org. We have a new membership base, so please make sure to join and be a member. It can be our first round of founding members if you join before October. If you'd like to be on our podcast and interviewed, we'd love for that to happen too. So make sure you check out the podcast links as well as that membership link. And please remember to subscribe to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review for the podcast as well. Thanks everyone. Welcome to Focus on Women podcast. I'm super excited. We've got a conversation happening between two awesome artist reps today. We've got Tracy Tarek from Poppy Creative and Mary Dale from Big Leo. And we're going to talk a little bit about the evolving process that is being an artist rep. And so Tracy, I'm going to kick this over to you to give us a little introduction of you and Poppy Creative. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is Tracy Tarek from Poppy Creative. We are an agency that's been in the business for 12 years started out on the West Coast, and now I am currently located on the East Coast. <laughs> um, still repping everywhere in between, but that's where we are now. And we represent food, interior, and lifestyle photographers, directors, and stylists. Fantastic. And Mary, tell us a little bit about yourself and Big Leo. My name is Mary Dale. I am the owner and creative director of Big Leo Productions, a company that I founded in 2003, officially. Uh, I worked under my own name for a couple of years before I grabbed a snazzy title based on my Zodiac sign. And uh, yeah, we've been repping photographers, stylists, and directors, and food stylists as well, by the way, uh, since then. And we have expanded, contracted over the years, but I feel like we're in a sweet spot right now of the number of artists we have. We're about to, um, speaking of evolving, uh, launch a new rebrand of our logo and everything. I'm excited about that just in time for Leo season. Uh, so that's exciting. But yeah, that's who I am. We are in New York, LA, Richmond, Virginia, with artists all over the country. So we have artists in Seattle, San Francisco, LA, Minneapolis, all over the place. Awesome. So both of you have been doing this for some time now. Um, you know, Mary, you just mentioned 2003 and Tracy, I know you're in the double digits as well. So I'd love for you guys to just kind of discuss between the two of you kind of where the rep world was back then when you started, what got you excited to get into repping and kind of take us to the evolution, like fast forward to today, we're in a very different world. How does the artist rep relationship look like now? Wow. Um. <laughs> it's a good question because actually, if you rewind all the way back to, you know, the early 2000s, we were still pulling away from film. Like, I feel like we were still deep in film. So we've seen so many transitions. It was from film to digital, from digital to more social, social to like now everything is just all over the place where there's TikTok, like we're marketing <laughs> up and down the universe, um, billboards move, you know, everything moves now. So we've had to evolve to that too, doing more motion and stuff like that. But the relationship itself has definitely evolved as well. I feel like in the age of the internet that reps have had to sort of take on more 
because there used to be such a, almost like a gatekeeping type relationship between like reps and ad agencies that photographers really relied on, like getting in the door there. Now, I think it's more about the busyness of the creatives on the other side. Those teams have really shrunk. So now what they're looking for from us is to get kind of more bang for their time. So like for their buck, their time, so that it's harder for them to see a single photographer. They want to see a, a roster so that for the time that they're allotting to review creatives, they're, they're getting more from it. So, it's so can we take it to the, can yeah. we put a pin into something as a little note to come back to is that, that key word you said in there, which is busyness, right? So I want to, I want to put a little, yeah, you know, plant a seed for both of you, because I think that goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. On the artist rep side, as well as the creative maker, as well as the ad agency or PR company or production house. I think everybody is feeling that busyness. So we're going to circle back to that in a bit. And I'm going to let you keep going, Mary, on your evolve, the involving uh, relationship and also process of what, you know, is expected now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Tracy, I'd love you to speak to this part of it too, because I think moving from those traditional ways of marketing into new stuff for more seasoned and veteran photographers, I think they really relied on us to show them the way to show them what people were looking for, because some people refused in the beginning to be on social media. Some people refused to shoot motion and so on and so forth. So it was definitely, you know, a real education and like, look, I'm, I'm telling you what the market is asking you for asking for, and I'm trying to keep you relevant and commercially viable. So, you know, guiding those photographers into the new way of doing things. And then conversely guiding newer people into like traditional ways of, of, you know, bidding and, charging usage and things like that, that they weren't potentially used to because they're like, Oh, I just popped up on Instagram and people are hiring me. Or even just teaching them how to network. Yeah. So Tracy, I mean, I think that's a two way street that Mary kind of brought up, right. Is kind of the folks who'd been doing it for years and years and years who had Mm -hmm. this relationship with an, uh, uh, a rep. And then those that are kind of like coming up, right. You do, Mm -hmm. um, your artists to watch, which are those that are kind of coming into the time. And so I would love to kind of talk about this interesting dynamic between those two, those two people in those different positions. Yeah. Well, to back up, I mean, I think, you know, I started my career on the other side of repping. I was the art director or the producer booking the artist through the rep, which is how I know Mary. And so, you know, I first heard of big Leo because I worked with some of her artists when I was an art director. Um, and then when I became an art uh, and rep, it was because one of my older artists suddenly couldn't find work during the downturn in 2008. It was like, oh, how do I market myself? I've never had to market. I don't know anybody. I don't network anymore. And I was, you know, at a crossroads of my career. So he reached out to say, hey, you know, everybody where we are and what industry we are in. So can you help me? Will you come and be my rep? Um, and that's kind of, you know, goes back to what Mary was saying about the older artists now, you know, having to, you know, even 10 years ago, had to really start thinking about how do I get myself out there if I'm not on social media yet, and I'm not using Facebook at that time, maybe, you know, they were afraid to pick up the phone. They didn't want to pick up the phone. They didn't know how to do that. They didn't know what was appropriate or inappropriate. They didn't want to be stepping on toes. They didn't, or they were just shy, you know, and didn't want a cold call. So I think 
from that perspective, um, you know, agents were, that was our biggest thing that we did for them was take that off their plate. We took that embarrassment away. We kind of helped them get out there, get in front of the right people. We did the talking, we did the schmoozing and then, you know, they continued that once they got on set and held onto that client, hopefully. But that whole word of mouth thing kind of shifted with the, you know, social media. Once social media came into play, I feel like the younger generation really relied on Instagram to get their work. Um, and then from that side, still needed a rep because they still didn't know how to communicate properly with the client or, you know, how to bid or, you know, there was still, it just changed what we focused on. Like Mary was saying, I think we went from really being the, you know, the gatekeeper between the clients and the artist to then becoming a partner with the artist on how do we bid? How do we, you know, how do we estimate? How are we going to how are we going to also market you in a different way that you might haven't thought of yet? You know, and what do you need to do? How do you need to evolve to keep on top of this? Cause it's such a quickly changing industry. And I think that is why I started artists to watch for that reason was sort of like, okay, how are we, how am I going to keep relevant? How am I going to keep my roster relevant? Who else is out there that's doing things that maybe some of my other artists aren't doing that I want to be part of and can help bring, you know, some freshness to the roster. Also help, you know, inspire the artists within our roster. Yeah. It helps a lot to have sort of those temporary people um, who are in a different place in their career, who need the marketing help, or, you know, just want to have that name behind them for a little bit to see what, what shifts. So I think one thing that's really interesting that both of you have touched on, I mean, I know it's called, you know, being an artist rep or be, you know, the, you know, in a partnership, but really you guys are like mentors. Um, you're really in a role of mentorship in a lot of ways from what you're saying or what I'm hearing anyway, is that, you know, from the folks that, you know, were maybe a little bit slow to adapt or didn't want to adapt, you know, you were kind of mentoring them in the way of, this is what we see in the market. This is where I would love to push you and inspire you to go. Um, and then for those that don't know what they don't know, right? These kind of up and comers or to new players in the field of commercial work, you're mentoring them to say, this is how you put a bid together. This is how you talk to an agency. Would you agree or disagree? No, I definitely agree with that. I think the trouble in, you know, that we are finding and evolving as reps too, is just this idea that we're now in a whole swath of people who don't understand how reps work and how we get paid, so to speak, you know, to that point, you know, mentorship and all of that, because, you know, we're such a commission based business. Um, I think that's one of the struggles I've had with having people understand what we do and what, what we're here for. But mentorship is certainly a big, big part of that. I think, uh, especially now, I think the idea that, you know, I signed with a rep and all the work comes flooding in and all that. I mean, we've all said this for years and years. That's never been the case. It's not the case today. It won't be the case tomorrow. And it wasn't the case 10 years ago. Um, so that's just gotta be clear out of the gate, but I think it's interesting to have I like what Tracy's doing with the artist to watch, because it does give the artists who haven't had a rep really understand what that relationship is, what it entails, what the agreements are supposed to be between each other, because it can get muddy. And especially if it's not clear out of the gate, I've certainly made that mistake before where, you know, you want to start with somebody and get moving and it's just a little muddy and you're helping each other and you're like, wait, you know, 
I can't work for free. Nobody can, nobody can work for free. So, but yeah, mentorship is definitely a big part of what we're, what we're doing here. Tracy, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I totally agree that mentorship is a big part of it. And I think like what Mary was saying about um, working for free, I think there's always this kind of push and pull of, okay, don't forget, you know, uh, we are on a commission basis and we're a very small part of that, <laughs> of your total that we're taking, you know, that we're adding on. Um, and sometimes it's hard to remember what, what's going on behind the scenes. I think that's a big part of it too, right? Is that, you know, that we're not sitting side by side and they don't see us every day. They don't, they don't really know what, you know, our day-to-day -day looks like. Um, I try to send little tidbits when I can of sort of like, Hey, here's what I'm doing this week. What are you up to? You know, yeah. <laughs> do yeah. you do that, Mary? Yeah. Yes. I think it's important to do that because you can lose sight of, you know, I call it the silent standoff, you know, or you're sitting on either side, both or what, what is she doing? Well, what is he doing? You know, not communicating about, you know, goals and like, Hey, this week you, you might not hear from me, but it doesn't mean that I'm not emailing every client I can think of. I mean, this week I have been head down in my rebrand because that has to be retrofitted into every single asset we have. It's got to go on Instagram and all of our estimates and our invoicing and our website. So I've been head down doing that because I want it to rock. And <laughs> so that takes time. So they don't hear from me. I just try to reach out and say, Hey, as a reminder, you know, this is the week I'm trying to launch the rebrand, but it also gives me something to come at them with of like, so what are you working on? Are you doing anything to evolve your brand? Is there anything you're shooting? Because one of the most, I think, frustrating things for a rep to hear from an artist is I'm not working because you might not have a commissioned project, but I'm working every day. So I hope you're working every day because it's your career we're focused on here. So, um, but yeah, I definitely do the same thing as Tracy where I check in and go, what, what you got going on this week? So let's talk a little bit more about the relationship because I think it is a little bit of a, a mystery to those on the other side, right? The artist side who, may have no idea about artist representation. Um, I know that I was very much that way when I changed from doing consumer photography to commercial photography. I like new reps existed. I had no clue what they did um, and I didn't quite know how it worked. And so over time I've learned. Um, and so I think, you know, what is that relationship? I get asked a lot about like, so I pay them a monthly fee for marketing. Like, what is that? Um, and so I would love for you guys to kind of take on, like, if there is, let's say there's an artist, let's just play the hypothetical, say there's an artist out there that you're really interested in signing. What happens? Um, well, I just, I, if I see someone I'm interested, I'll start first I'll start following them on Instagram or LinkedIn. I do a little digging, to see where they are. Are they wrapped? Have they been wrapped? Um, and then if they don't notice that I'm watching them, I'll re I'll do the out a more uh, uh, obvious outreach where I'll just either like I am something on their Instagram or I'll send them an email like, Hey, love your, love your work. Would love to be on your newsletter kind of thing so that I can start seeing what they're doing. Um, and that usually that email alone will trigger them and they'll write, most of them will write me right back and go, Oh, hi. So nice to meet you. I love your agency or, you know, or they might not, they might 
totally ignore me, which is fine. Um, and then that kind of starts the ball rolling and then I start a conversation. Mary, is there anything you want to add or do differently? Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I think I'm similar because there's a slower approach sometimes. Sometimes I've definitely been more aggressive. Like, oh my God, I love your work. You know, we'd love to have you on our roster. Um, I think that by the time you have that feeling about someone and you're following them, you're already sort of placing them among your client list. You're just, if you have an interest in someone, you're already seeing where they fit commercially. Um, so I think that's something important for an artist to know, like if we're already thinking about you and admiring your work in, you know, and seeing how it aligns with our current roster, I think it's because we're already seeing how you are commercially viable and fit within what we're, what we're doing. So I think it's interesting. I mean, so should I be paying more as a, I'm going to play the artist here. I am, I mean, I am an artist. I am a photographer. Should I be paying attention when artist agencies start following me? Sure. I'd be saying something back to them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even if it's, you know, thank you for checking out my work. I mean, it's only you as an artist can determine when a rep is right for you because I've certainly had people come on board who were not ready or who actually didn't even need a rep to be honest. The, The team that they had set up, um, you know, I think someone can always use a rep, especially if they're busy and working a lot, you almost need a rep more when you're busier because it's just management and momentum because people who are busy tend not to have time for all the marketing that needs to be done. You lose momentum. And then, you know, you, you know, when it gets slow, you panic (laughs) versus having someone who's continuing the momentum. But I think you'd have to determine if a rep is right for you. And if you don't even know what that relationship means, just having that conversation of like, what does that look like in your agency? Like, what is your agreement and getting to know, kind of how that agency works, what their contract is, if they have one, or uh, what we like to call terms of engagement, um, you know, what those are, figuring that out. If it's right, right. So what So what are some things that as an artist, should they, I mean, they should be asking about terms of engagement, but are there any red flags that we should be looking for that might be like, hmm, I need to negotiate that, or I don't want to sign that thing that you're saying for the artist or for the rep or both I I think on both sides right I definitely think that there's stuff on the rep side where you're like yeah that's not going to work for me and I think on the flip side it it goes with the artist as well sure so what are some of those things that get talked about like you know what if a client or what if like for me I'll play the photographer you know if I have a client that I've worked with for years and years and years and now I'm going to look for representation maybe I don't want to give that client to my rep, you know, I don't want to give them that commission piece because I brought that client in, I've cultivated that client over years, or maybe I shoot a lot of editorial and the margins are so slim on editorial that that might not make sense. Are those mm-hmm. things that are discussed? Yeah, I think, I think yeah. I'm sorry, Mary. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think all of us as reps have different, um, we have different ways of handling what you would call a house account, which is what you're talking about. And um, for me, it's negotiated differently with each of my artists, you know, kind of depends on how long they've been with the client, how, how much are they still working with that client, how much time is going to be taken away from me getting them new work if they've got this one big client that they're only working with. Um, those are kind of all factors I like to look at before I just before I say, you know, okay, you can have all those editorials. I don't want anything to do with them because they're not, they're few and far between maybe, or they're really low ball, you know, low paying. And if you need that as bread and butter in between what I get you, that's fine. 
Um, but some of those other house accounts, you know, for us would go to a short term sort of like, okay, you can hold on to them for the first six months you're with me. And then, then they all come to me. That's kind of how I work. Interesting. Mary? Mary? Yeah, I agree with that. I think to your question, everything is, is up for discussion. Like, like we want to discuss everything, but I think what Tracy's saying about, you know, keeping things short term, the, the reason for that is again, goes back to working for free. I, I understand how painful it is when someone's like, well, I'm bringing this, this, you know, client and I don't want to part with that in a commission sense, but to ask someone to hand over their rosters client list without reciprocity doesn't feel good. You know, it's, again, I think that knowing, yeah, this client is somebody you don't work with a lot and you've had them for years. Fine. We won't touch that, but make sure we're focusing on all the goals we have, getting bigger jobs, all the stuff that, so we can mutually make money. Cause the goal for us to bring someone on is for us to all make money. But I think that, um, you know, when somebody's really busy with house accounts, it doesn't give us an opportunity to really do anything, uh, for the artist. And I think, you know, that was my point before about, you know, I just had this happen where someone was extremely busy with, with house clients, but I'm like, but you're asking me to bring you these bigger clients without, you know, reciprocating yours. And I don't know that that feels fair. It doesn't feel fair. Um, because at some point, you know, the, the agent has to be paid too, and we all want to be paid and we want the incentive to go get that bigger work and feel like the artist is invested in themselves because we're investing our time and money. Quite frankly, it does cost a certain amount of money per month, uh, to rep someone. It costs both parties money and to ask the rep to fully shoulder that, uh, is, doesn't feel like a partnership. I'm so excited to say that our sponsor for season seven is the American photographic artist. They were established in 1981, and they're a not-for-profit trader association run by photographers for photographers, working in the advertising and editorial sectors. They understand the challenges of this industry and advocate on behalf of their members. The APA offers inspiration, education, and advocacy. The APA membership structure gives every photographer an affordable way to belong to a community of like-minded professionals. APA members are connected by regional chapters, providing both a national and local connection to networking, portfolio reviews, photo competitions, and activism. The APA supports women and minority photographers. Their diversity committee is charged with clearing a path to success for those who are traditionally underrepresented. The APA Scope webinar and podcast series includes discussions with photographers reimagining the photo industry as one driven by diversity and inclusion. Please stay tuned to the end of this podcast for our APA code, which will get you half off a contributor membership. Thanks. So let's talk about what those costs are, right? Um, this kind of gets a little bit back to that busyness piece that we just talked about at the top of the conversation which is, you know, there's all this stuff that happens behind the scenes that no one sees. Um, and I, I mean, I've talked at nauseam with Tracy about this stuff behind the scenes, uh, about all the stuff that goes on. And, but I would love for us to actually, let's like air some of that. Let's open the closet and let everybody in to kind of see like, you know, you're working on, uh, Mary's, you're working currently on this rebrand, which is a ton of work. 
Um, but on top of doing that, right, you still have your day-to-day -day to manage all the clients and get them in front of people. And as we're moving into a more open world again, you know, what are some of the tasks that happen on a fairly regular basis with your small team? Because you do have a team of people. What does some of that stuff look like that we on the outside may not get to see? Well, I can tell you, especially from this past year, one of the biggest tasks, and Tracy and I were working on this together a little bit, is finding where the hell people are. Because everyone moved, people have been working from home, people were furloughed or laid off, and really just complete list management overhaul because people have moved and shifted. We don't know where they are. We don't even know when and where we're, we're going to be able to send printed promos again. So it has been strategizing a new way to market to these people, whether it's like, okay, we're going to spend more on social or we're going to back off a little bit and do more personal stuff. At the beginning of COVID, we decided to do a bunch of personal, like, you know, care packages because we didn't know what the heck was going to happen with this thing. Um, so as it stands now, that's something that would be a huge task. And that takes a lot of time and, and money. And if you were to pay somebody, a virtual assistant or otherwise to do that, I mean, that is a cost. And whether anyone likes it or not, my time is money. Tracy's time is money. Any rep's time is money. And so if I'm doing that, imagine if you're a photographer and you decide one day, Hey, I have a small studio and I need help. I'm going to hire someone to be my studio manager and to do some, you know, list research for me and maybe a little email marketing and maybe this, you'd be paying that person. And so it's funny to me sometimes when someone plugs into an agency to be repped, suddenly they think that cost doesn't come with it, but it does because it does cost us money. Well, I think one of the things that you touched on there and for any photographer who's doing any kind of substantial marketing, that list management mm -hmm. is the biggest time suck. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could spend you could spend 40 hours a week just on list management and still, yeah. and still not just, you know, scratch the surface. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Tracy, is there anything you want to add to uh, what Mary was just saying about things behind the scenes that are done that, you know, we might not see. Right. I think, uh, you know, like what Mary's saying, um, I mean, I'm constantly thinking about the layout of our website, keep what, in, what new work hasn't been put up on the website. I do all of that myself. So that's a constant job right there, just keeping on top of that. Then, you know, okay, we do monthly emailers and getting that out. You know, as Mary mentioned, we, we used to do a printed piece that went out quarterly. So we've been spending time like, okay, when's the right time for that to come back? And getting the content ready for that takes weeks on end, you know, with the number of artists that are in there. So there's those things and the list man, I mean, list management is the bane of my existence right now. I mean, because I go down. Yeah, it's like I every time I go to send one of those emailers, the list comes into play. And then you've got to remember if you've updated it and if you haven't updated it, you get into LinkedIn and it's a rabbit hole that could take you know, days on end to really hone in on. Um, I think the nice thing about having Mary and Andrea Stern in, you know, our relationship and what we try to do together is that we've been able to try to work a little bit together on that because it's just, it's overwhelming. And it, um, you know, think about, it. you know, Mary, I, I don't know how many artists you have, but Mary has at least a dozen artists just photographers. And then there's, there's our styling side. And then there's 
you know, I have seven and then Andrea's got however many, but it's, those lists are huge. And as Mary said, we've been in business, you know, for a number of years, those lists evolve. You know, you're looking at a list that's been around for 12 years and trying to keep on top of where all of those people are and are they still relevant? Is it, you know, that could be a daily project. Yeah. And the one thing I, I think I just want to add in for you guys is you still email and make phone calls and set meetings to show work on top sure. of all of this admin stuff and, you know, yeah. design and marketing we've yes. talked about. And so how much of that time, right? Like, cause when you're having a one-on-one -on -one call with somebody, you know, that's a chunk of time and you've got to schedule it. And there's all the back and forth in the scheduling piece. How often are you doing that kind of individual one-on-one? Um, with I the artists? With the artists or with the clients for the artists? I would say the outreach for the artists. Outreach for the artists. I like set aside, for me, I have to set aside chunks of time in my week where I literally am like, okay, for the next three hours, I'm going to focus on, you know, Portland. And what am I, who haven't I talked to in Portland for my Portland artist? And then that outreach goes out, you know, um, so you basically segmented it up by like where your artist is and the location. Um, and then if there's someone who you've reached out to, who's gotten back to you, maybe you set a meeting for mm -hmm. your artist to meet with them or for you and the artist to meet with them. Mary, right. is that kind of similar for you? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think sometimes it's easier to do it by region or city, you know, knowing where the artists are. Sometimes we do it by genre. So I'll deep dive into my food list. I'm like, Oh my God. I've really got to get in there, especially there's one list I have. I feel like the people that move the most are these marketing people at beverage companies like Coca-Cola always has shifts, Anheuser-Busch, everyone's moving all the time. I don't know what they're doing, but it's hard to keep up with that. And you do have to a lot, you have to put that hat on because it's a different hat than like mentoring the artists themselves about their books or their sites and their brand, or uh, even being client facing the, the list stuff is a whole different admin hat that you just have to be in the zone and not pick up the phone <laughs> and just, you know, be head down. Yeah. And I, would you say any of this has changed right over the time? Like we talked about like evolving as a big theme here. So yeah. would you say any of the list building stuff or the admin work or the, I mean, we talked to how marketing has changed, right? The advent of social but how has this evolved in just how you think about it whether it's a mental shift or whether maybe it's a physical shift like maybe you have new tools and technology that you use to help you do it faster you Mary, know, i'm going to throw that to you first it's funny that you say that because i actually made a, a note earlier to talk about exactly that how i feel like there was this evolution and it still is out there of all this productivity software, right? I feel like there's just not one thing that I use a hundred percent soup to nuts, use it all. It's, I use this for that. I use this for emailing. I use this for list management and it's kind of overwhelming. And I think one of the things that technology gave us that I actually would like to see go away. And I think COVID helped us a little bit is this automation. I think having things like you're posting on social media and stuff be automated. is great. Outreach itself I realized how many uh, sales emails and, and stuff that I get and the language in those automated sort of things is so obvious and so off-putting that it made me realize, you know, aside from the newsletters where we're genuinely announcing new work and, you know, reaching out to people to let them know what we're up to, one-to-one -to -one conversation needs to make a comeback. Just a straight up, hey, I'm emailing you. This is not a mass email because I just, I know that, 
especially lately when I'm getting these follow-ups, you know, people have this software that it's like, if you haven't heard from this person in three days, it'll shoot back a, a quick follow-up. And I just feel like it's so obvious and it's su such a put off to me. And I've always listened to that as a rep. I'm like, if there is a sales technique, that's really just irking me. I certainly don't want to be the person out there selling that way. Mm-hmm. I agree. I spend a, uh, and I will say, even though it's very time consuming for those clients that we really want to get, I spend the time to personally email them and whether that, and make it obvious that it's not, you know, like I've done my research, I've had a connection to you this way, or I noticed you went to this school or you used to work here. So did I, or whatever it is, right. Where you can get that like little tidbit in that's going to make them feel like I didn't just write 50 of your colleagues. I just wrote you <laughs> that little personal touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes a difference because we feel that even when an artist reaches out for representation, right. you know, where they've done their research, when people tell me their sign, for instance, I'm like, ah, you paid attention to like why my agency is named, named what it is or something like that. And then you can tell when someone you're a BCC and it's like looking for representation and um, Hey, listen, I'm happy to field those emails as well. But when it is personal, you know, it, it makes a difference. So I think that if we feel that coming in, we certainly want to provide that going out too. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I see that just from, uh, you know, when I work with people at ad agencies, when you are paying attention when they're talking to you and they're like, hold on, my cat is meowing. I got to go, you know, tend to the cat. And then you follow up with like a little funny cat meme or, you know, <laughs> Hey, I hope your cat's doing well, you know, then they kind of, you know, you kind of start that rapport with them and you've broken down that wall a lot right. of the times. Um, and Mary, I totally agree with the one-on-one -on -one emails. I, um, I'm just hearing and personally doing a shift away from the mass emails and more on the one-to-one -one emails. And I would love, I know Tracy, you work with a lot of consistent clients, like the same clients over and over and over again. And so do you feel like you're, you're not really having to constantly sell them? I would imagine it's more about just maintaining a relationship. So how is that conversation different? Well, it's different. Well, two things with COVID it's very different because I did used to maintain that by, you know, um, either taking them to lunch on their birthday or going for a drink after work, or, you know, like I have personal relationships with some of those producers and art buyers. So maintaining that has been different because it's now on zoom. Um, if I can get them to be on zoom, um, and then the emailing part it's yes, it's more, I'm pretty consistent. If I don't hear from them and they're not, you know, they've definitely gone in waves of, especially during COVID, you know, there was a big chunk of time where there was nothing. And those emails were more about like, Hey, how are you? Are you okay? What's happening? When's, when do you think, you know, you're going to be able to go back to work? Is your family? Okay. You know, it was more personalized. And then as stuff shifted and they started reaching to us for work, um, it became easier to then just get back in the group of I pretty much every month, if not more, reach out and check in or say, Hey, did you notice we have this new person? They'd be perfect as well. You know, like, because for me, it's important. Our agency, you know, really tries to be very well-rounded and offer as much as we can to our clients. So, you know, we do production, we do styling, we shoot, we 
have merch coordinators, you know, so we try to be there as a resource. So I try to keep that consistent in all of my emails to them. I love the personal touch piece. Uh, I think this has kind of been a theme of what we've been talking about, right, is we're human people and we want a human connection on the other side. And so as we evolve in our, right, in our writing and our one-to-one -one conversation, how do you think all of us, whether you're an artist or a rep, can be better um, in that human touch? Well, I think one of the things for me is something that's always been around, and I think maybe COVID has exacerbated this, but I also think that it's something I have in my personal life very much is that um, I don't take things personally. So I think in reaching out to people when they're busy and they don't get back to you, I think that, um, I don't know, I just feel like I what's the word I'm looking for? I embrace that humanity. There's a person on the other side. They might have two kids. They might be working till 11 o'clock at night and then passing out on the couch. I'm talking about myself. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I think that understanding there is a human being on the other side, we get ghosted all the time, but it's not personal. It's not someone com being completely disinterested in you. I truly think it just has to, you know, it has to strike them at the right moment that I know oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And it doesn't take away the humanity. I, I don't think in the other person, I think if anything, it highlights, yes, we're all busy and we, none of us have time to get back to everything all the time. Um, at least, you know. Yeah. I think this goes back to the busy question, right? This was, uh, something I, I'm glad that you kind of circled back to it because, um, there was an example recently of a photographer who told me, oh, I sent this pitch in, this client totally, you know, asked for this, I put this great thing together, and then, you know, I got a note that they got it, and now I haven't heard, and I said, well, when was that, you know, and he said, like, oh, four days ago, I was like, man, like, they got to go talk to all their people, yeah. they, you know, there was a holiday in there, <laughs> you know, give it a little bit of breathing room. Um, and right. sure, you know, I think that was a good reminder of like, oh, right, you know, I'm waiting on the other side with bated breath, but they've got all of these other things and channels and people to talk to before they can get back to you with some kind of answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to Tracy's point about being busy and being a one-stop shop, uh, you're really offering something to those very busy people as a solution, right? So do you find that that actually is a great conversation starter for you? I do think for the right client, it's a, it's a good conversation starter. You know, we tend to um, work with sort of those uh, in-house, some of them have, in, most of them have in-house studios where they bring in their photographers, but they're shooting almost 360 days a year. So there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of talk constantly of like, oh, I need this, or oh, I need that, or I need that, you know, and Luckily, I've I've been very fortunate to have a relationship with a very big company that owns multiple brands and have be you know have really become the person they come to when they can't think of where they're going to find somebody to you know store this crap in LA for them before they get this PR shoot going and then will that same person you know go to the location and bring us lunch or whatever just rant it can be very random sometimes what I get asked to do but I have to say it part of me feels really good about it because I'm glad to know that I'm, you know, doing what I set out to do, which was to be a resource for them in whatever way they needed it to be. And, yeah, you know. and that they can be busy and do their work and they can turn to you and say, 
I don't have time to do this. Can you help me? Right. Or, you know, they've, they've come to us when people have gone on maternity leave, you know, like, Hey, do you, we have, do you have a producer who could just sit here, you know, or come in and be on set for the weeks that I'm going to be on maternity or, you know, or, or they come to us for the full thing, you know, or it's like, Oh, now we need a photographer. You know, that's always been sort of the goal with that client from the get-go was like, that's where I started in-house, you know, and then I left and I did my thing and I started my agency and they were who I went back to to say, okay, what can I do for you? Cause you've done all of this for me in my career and, and I want to, you know, pay it forward in a different way. So, um, yeah, I think it does work. I think for some other smaller brands, it works really well too. I get a lot of calls for, you know, winery jobs for the same reason where it's kind of like, they don't know where to start. They just know they need something photographed. Oh yeah. Maybe they need a stylist. We didn't think about a stylist, you know, or, oh yeah, how, who's going to be on set and who's going to approve the image, you know? Like, so it, it kind of evolves that way. Um, and those are the things I like. I mean, I was a producer for a long time and an art director. So I liked that aspect of my job of being, being the person who could answer those questions and solve. I like the challenge of solving it. So you like to be busy too. <laughs> I do like to be busy. And when I'm not busy, it's really hard for me to not feel like that's a failure. <laughs> so let's talk about that, right? Because that's a mindset issue. Mm-hmm. I think this is a this is something that um, I, I feel a lot, right? Like if you're not hustling, right, then you're not you're not succeeding or you're not moving forward. Um, and I think that there is part of that could be true, right? Because uh, when talent doesn't hustle, then the hustle beats talent. Um, but I think the reality is, is that that's not always the case. Um, so talk a little bit about the the feeling of being busy versus the hustle versus sometimes you just have to rest. I think this is, uh, it, it's serendipitous you brought that up because we did speak about that a little bit yesterday on the Clubhouse talk about meditation and mindfulness and all that kind of stuff, resting, you know, a little bit, because I spend a lot of time doing, I mean, I'm a verb. It says on my card, a verb since birth. I do. I spend all this time doing and doing, occupying the mind. And I just sort of sometimes mindlessly, you know, plunging ahead with all this activity, I feel can sometimes leave you exhausted and uninspired. And I think that when you just, sometimes you do just have to check out. Unfortunately, I had a, a terrible reason for having to do so this past year and losing my husband. But I will say that at the end of the year, starting this 2021, uh, I realized how much clarity I had because for the first time, albeit a little bit forced, I had to shut down. I had to take a break. I had to sit and think about what I wanted my agency to be, what I wanted my role to be, what I wanted my role to be in the world and for my son and all of this stuff. And that quiet, I mean, here I am about to launch, re, my, rebrand my whole company. I'm relaunching uh, my brand. And I think that that quiet helped me do that. It helped me unplug a little bit because that busy, I could stay busy all day. I mean, I can just <laughs> go and go and go, but just having that moment to breathe and assess. I think the reassessment, um, kind of brings ideas, you know, Tracy thoughts on that. I agree. I think, um, 
I'm like Mary, I'm constantly having to do something. I'm constantly thinking of the next thing. I'm constant. I like that. I like the hustle. Um, I feel, um, what is it? I feel like I'm achieving. I'm make it's achieving for me. It's like, Oh, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. I'm, this is awesome. This is an achievement. It doesn't even have to be monetary. It just has to be, you know, a check mark, a check mark. Yeah. I love, uh, I have lots of check marks in my journal, <laughs> but, um, but when I'm not, I get nervous, you know, and I think, um, I have to, for I do have to force myself to shut down and, you know, I, I remind myself all the time. Oh, remember, as soon as you turn on that out of, out of office clients show up. So <laughs> I, I totally remind myself of those moments of like, you're going to take tomorrow off because you need to rethink, you know, and you just kind of need to, you, you need to recharge. And yeah. I think COVID really taught me because there was a lot of downtime in the beginning and I had no idea what to do. I thought I was supposed to keep busy. You know, I thought I was going to keep the wheels going, but it was nice to sort of have that time to breathe, reconnect with people who normally you can't get a hold of because they're not around because now everyone was around and you could sort of reach out to them and they'd respond to you. I felt like people were so much more human and, you know, wanted connection at a certain point. It was like, you know, even to clients just to reach out to say, hey, are you okay? Are you at home? Where are you? They're like, oh my God, thanks for reaching out, you know? Yeah. Because they didn't have the connection even within their own companies for some of them. So I hope to see that continue. I feel like I learned a lot how to slow down a little and not feel pressured to be rushed all the time or to be busy. Like that pressure has left um, because I've learned to be more still. And when I'm stiller, I'm more creative. I agree. I think that kind of spending more time balancing the doing and the mm -hmm. being, because I think it's in the being uh, that we open them, you know, open ourselves up for discovery, uh, reflection. And I think it always brings clarity and ideas. And sometimes even just the mental rest will ignite your energy, reignite your energy. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see and come back to this conversation in a couple months. Uh, and recheck in with you guys and see where you're on the busy versus the, the doing versus the quiet. Uh, yep. Guys, this has been a great conversation. Uh, Tracy, can you remind people where to find you online to check out your agency? Sure. Um, we're at poppycreativeagency.com and it's at poppycreative on Instagram. Fantastic. And Mary, let us know where to find Big Leo because you know we want to see the launch. The launch, yes. We are at bigleo.com and on Instagram, we're at Big Leo Productions. I think that is also the case on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Big Leo Productions. Fantastic. Guys, this has been an awesome conversation. We could dive more into the nitty gritty of uh, agent life a little later. And um, we're going to bring you guys back and talk more and more about agency life. Um, but this is what we got for today. We're so excited for you guys to listen. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It helps others find the podcast and keep your creative juices flowing. APA is providing those who are listening to this Focus on Women podcast an opportunity to join using a $25 coupon code. 
APA memberships start at just $50 a year, so that's half off an annual contributor membership. Use the code FOW2021 to take advantage of this offer. The code will be valid until the end of 2021. Join at apanational.org. If you have any questions, reach out to Juliet Wolf-Robin. She's the executive director of the APA, as well as being one of our founding members for Focus on Women. 